0: hi everyone and welcome to the adsr inspirations podcast my name is james mallion i'm your host as i introduce you to inspirational and artful souls from all over the world i'm deeply interested in music film the arts achieving goals overcoming struggles and big ideas so join me as we uncover some life lessons and knowledge we're based out of tokyo japan and we'll be speaking with people from all over the world Ranging from artists, musicians, creatives, leaders, big thinkers, and those who strive to do and be great. Thanks for listening along. Now let's get inspired. Welcome once again to ADSR Inspirations. And we've got a great guest today. And I haven't actually met Shelly before in person, but I've been explaining her work the past few days. And I've heard some great things about her through some mutual friends. So I'm excited to sit down and have a chat and hear what she has to say on a variety of topics related to art, inspiration, and some of her life philosophies. So please welcome to the show, Lingus
1: Ah, Thanks, James. I hope I live up to those great things you've heard about me.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, just thanks for being here. And I think... Uh, We should have an interesting chat regardless. So I wanted to start out with uh, an interesting little bit that I found on your bio. Um, It says, for me, artistry is the process of authentically connecting with other people and their stories as a path to connecting with myself and my own story. Um, Can you just comment on that and kind of what, what that means to you?
1: Oh wow, it's so interesting to have somebody read back your own words because I'm sure you're you've been in this place where you you've written so much or put so much out in the world. You actually forget what you made or what you wrote, sure. right? <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at now. It really describes that aptly. Um, I I feel like what I've honed in on is that. I've always loved hearing stories and storytelling. I couldn't really understand what was the motivation there. And I think, of course, I think one, it's a natural curiosity I have about the world and people, but also like through the exercise of asking questions and digging into people's stories, it's also helping me process my own. And I think living in, Japan has amplified that for me because I am part Japanese. And so I'm having a lot of questions around identity and belonging. And what's beautiful about living here is that there's a lot of people that are dealing with this same question, right? A lot of the hafu community, the mixed community. And so this year I started a hafu project where I am just kind of trying to cultivate those stories and just meet new people or even talk to my own friends that I've never had these conversations with. And through that, you know, we're seeing where we have common ground, but also where we might have, you know, differing perspectives on, you know, a similar upbringing or or experience. So yes, that is, that is totally where I'm at right now.
0: (laughs) For sure. Um, yeah, I know for myself as well. Um, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, I wanted to do this pod and, um, you know, really talking to people, um, especially, you know, people who are creating and putting themselves out there. Um, that was a big motivation for me, just relationships and connecting with people. Um, so before you came to Japan, I guess about three years ago, um, you know, you were, you were living in California around the San Francisco area. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's been like one of the differences, I know there's like an image, you know, uh, of American people or just, you know, maybe people from California, especially being more in touch with their emotions or being more open, um, you know, able just to connect with the stranger automatically. Um, mm-hmm. What What's it been like for you? You know, like, there's also this same image of Japanese people being a little more reserved, um, you know, at first and taking a little bit to get beneath those layers. What's been that process for you um, in the move to Japan connecting with people?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, I have to be honest. I think it was really hard at first. Um, I think, you know, as a foreigner moving to Japan, it's really easy to get sucked into the also foreigner community because because of exactly what you're saying it's just easier to connect with people people are, everyone's new so it's like they all they also want to make new relationships and make new friends and so I think of course I easily got sucked into the this world but my professional life is a, in a very Japanese setting even though I do work for an American tech company it's pretty Japanese and so Getting to know my coworkers and breaking those walls, um, it just it takes a lot of time. And also just daily life here as well. You know, you can't just walk up to, you know, the the policeman on the street and just strike, strike up a conversation. I mean, some may may be open to that, but it could be deemed a little weird. Um, and so at the beginning, I feel like I really tried hard to assimilate. And that kind of broke my spirit a lot because I was basically, you know, suppressing my authentic self just so I can kind of fit in and not make too much noise and not offend anybody. Um, But after a year of doing that, I just, you know, you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and you kind of see a ghost shell of yourself. Mm. (laughs) Um, And so I knew that that's not how I wanted to live my life long-term. And so, but I am in Japan. It's a different culture. I need to respect that. And so it has been this process of finding balance, but also embracing who I am more and like letting that just live in the world regardless. So I think it's been very fruitful. I finally feel like I'm in a place where I have an awesome like, support group and friends and and they're all mixed foreigners and japanese people and i just really like where that is right now
0: sure yeah that makes sense yeah not necessarily um trying to conform or fit yourself into a box or a stereotype but kind of letting yourself um be yourself i guess and others are going to accept that or they won't Right? Yeah,
1: and sometimes it takes, you know, and I understand the Japanese side, especially if they haven't had a lot of exposure to other cultures or foreigners. But sometimes it takes that awkward, uncomfortable conversation at first, you know, and maybe sometimes the role as the foreigner, as somebody who is more open is to kind of dig a little bit and ask those questions and get, get to those layers and and find and find that connection. With, with each other, because sure. we, are, we are all human, <laughs> so it's there.
0: <laughs> right, for sure, for sure. Um, so as for yourself, um, I mean, you're working at Twitter, but I know you also have um, a number of other creative outlets in your life um, and experiences through storytelling, dance, movement, physical expression, photography, videography, um, both solo and working in teams and groups is there a form of creative expression that you kind of connect with the most or do you kind of like to um you know go through a whole bunch of different forms or
1: yeah um i'm definitely you know i joked in the our little pre-interview email that i am a gemini moon (laughs) so any astrology people out there you know what i mean um i flit about and for the longest time, I thought that was weird. I thought there was something wrong with me. Um, because, you know, when I would look at other successful creatives or other successful people in the world, it just seems like they found a way to be disciplined and focus on one thing and dig deep and then just pursue that. And they just knew from a young age what they wanted to do. <laughs> and I was just like, what is wrong with me? Um But now I've just accepted that that more. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm a little weird. That's okay. And I like a lot of things. And my seasons change. And that means my medium change. I think one, the two things that have been a through line have been dance and uh, Mm. my camera. So whether that is photography or video. um, But both are definitely rooted in storytelling. Like there's kind of no... I mean, of course, you can you can snap a picture, you can do, you can make up an eight count, um, but it doesn't really have meaning for me unless there's a purpose or a story underneath it.
0: Sure, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm largely the same way. Um, I've been i I was first really interested in film more than anything, and then um, I kind of got into music. But yeah, like you say, um, stories have always been one of my big things. Is there like a certain kind of art that you really connect with then? Is it, uh, you know, dance or is it, um, you know, maybe film or music or what do you find yourself kind of consuming the most?
1: Oh my gosh, the gamut. Um, I love a good film. I love a good film. Um, I just watched My Octopus Teacher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> most recently um, oh, and i was right. just yeah
0: i've heard about that
1: oh i highly recommend it i mean the cinematography right. is beautiful because the the guy that is the central subject of the story um he was a documentary filmmaker himself um but then you, you get into the ocean photography it's just gorgeous and like the story is heartbreaking and beautiful um but god even just like graffiti on the street or I don't I'm like in our digital social media world, I'm constantly inspired about all the digital art I see online and just you know, just hearing what other people are up to and I don't know, uh, so many things, even the process of people, you know, having new babies and creating a family, I mean like it can go that whole spectrum of inspiration like, so 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 much of it, podcasts. Sure, I'm obsessed. Right. Podcasts. Sure. I just got. Sure. Um, I just binged this whole podcast, one season of this podcast last night called um, "Something Was Wrong." I don't know if you've heard of it. Um,
0: I ha- I have, yeah.
1: Oh my god! Yes. So podcasts have been. I'm I'm playing a podcast like every day. I I love them.
0: Sure. So. I guess with most of that, um, the kind of through line is some kind of story, or you can kind of find some kind of meaning, maybe, or find some inspiration or art just in the everyday, is kind of what yeah, I mean, you saying. Yeah,
1: inspiration, sometimes learnings. Yeah, learnings from other people who have gone right. through experiences that I can relate to, and they've, you know, they made it out the other side. So, yeah, like poetry. Um, Got blog posts just people just pouring their hearts out memoirs these types of things i i totally absorb
0: for sure um yeah just in talking to you and seeing some of your social media you strike me as a pretty spiritual person Mm. and um let's shift it to spirituality a little bit um how big of a role does spirituality play in your life? Um, you know, you can say like a higher power or a God or whatever you want to call it. Um, how, how big of a role do you find that playing in your life?
1: I think it plays such a big role. Some, sometimes um, more than I give credit to, I think. Like it's always that thing that's, that thing that's rumbling underneath and kind of carrying me through my life. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, I never grew up religious. Um, you know, my mom would kind of have these freak outs and like Christmas or Easter, like drag us to church just because I think she felt like she needed to repent or something. I don't know, but that was kind of the extent right. of it growing up is because we were like exposed to, it. of course, growing up in the United States, Christianity is around, um, But no, I didn't really have a religious practice growing up. But I remember as a kid, like being gravitated towards the Bible for some weird reason (laughs) and wanting to read the scripture, wanting to read the stories about Jesus and like hear the words. And then I think that also, for some reason, just carried into wanting to learn more about Buddhist philosophy and other religious traditions and, and their teachings. And so as I got older really kind of being intentional about that, joining communities to learn how to meditate and pray and um, learn about these ancient practices that are still so relevant to modern day life. And yes, so it's, it plays a really big role actually. Um, And every day I'm making sure I'm meditating. I have a gratitude practice. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to go on solo retreats once in a while just to disconnect and, connect with myself and that's just an everyday kind of sometimes it's a struggle but it's an everyday practice of like where am I at who am I today what's going on Uh, and I think as a creative or an artist that's really key is to be creating from within to without versus the other way around because I think the other way around can make you really stressed or sick or it just doesn't work that other way around for me
0: right yeah I I can really relate with that one and especially um you know you say kind of creating from within or maybe having to do with authenticity I I think you know people will automatically connect more um to someone they feel is sincere or is able to kind of show that they're vulnerable or they have their flaws. They're not just, you know, this perfect person that you do see the flip side as well, you know, um, on social media, for example, mm-hmm. where, you know, seems like all you see from some people is just this perfect image and, you know, no no cracks in that armor, you know, what they okay. show. But um, what I'm finding, you know, more recently is the people who, do kind of go out of their way to show that they're human. They make mistakes. Are the people who maybe get more followers or get people connecting with them on a deeper level, right?
1: Absolutely, those people are just more interesting, I think. And yeah, like, again, yeah, like you can relate to them. It's like it's that whole that whole like, oh, I'm not alone. Me too. Oh, yeah, like you're you're not the only one, and that's why. Yeah, you see, so many of these creators amass huge followings, for sure. I yeah, I totally think that's that's the buzzword these right. days, right? Authenticity, <laughs> but it's there's a lot yeah. of truth to it, for sure.
0: Um, you mentioned about uh, meditation, so I know for myself as well. Uh, the past few years, I found it extremely helpful, um, both you know in the relationship I have with myself. Understanding myself as well as understanding others, um, I've gone through you know like a few different a few different apps and a few different methods. Um, is there a certain method or style of meditation that uh, you do? In do you have a daily practice or you do it a few times a week? Or
1: yes, I have a daily practice, and it. To be honest, it took me a long time to get there. I think this is one of the blessings of COVID. Was that I could finally (laughs) like just establish a daily habit, sit, and honestly, for anybody else that's like struggling with meditation, because I get it. I've struggled. I've been meditating since for like ten years, but it's been so hard to establish a daily practice. Um, Really, start small. So I literally would be like, my goal today is to sit for one minute, and then I would recognize barriers to that, like because I tried to sit like in my meditation cushion for meditation, I felt like just the act of walking the few steps was preventing me from meditating. So now I literally, when I wake up in the morning, it's just sit up in bed. I sit on my pillow. And then I did the one minute thing. Once that was good, I went to five, ten, and now it's just my body and my mind want it. Once I wake up in the morning, as far as like a practice, I, so the practice I do is based on um, a Thai, a Tibetan school of Buddhism called Shambhala. That's a lot of where I get my foundation. However, like I feel like, whatever works for you, do that thing. Um, sure. So whether it is mantra based, breath work, body scanning, if you need to add yoga to it, because some people need movement. Um. Yeah, there's so many different ways of meditating. And the apps are great. I use Insight Timer um, because sometimes I feel like I just need extra support or some wisdom or some inspiration or guidance. Um, But yeah, I think what's important is just doing it. (laughs) Right. And not really worrying about how you're doing it or what's the best way to do it. Just, Just sit and be still and quiet and just give yourself that moment. To breathe, we—it's kind of crazy. We have twenty-four hours in the day, but most of us don't even give ourselves one minute to just chill. So, yeah, I think it's an awesome thing to do for yourself.
0: Sure, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, like you said, um, just just start doing it. You know, just I think that can apply to. Um, a lot of things in life, yeah. Where some people maybe overthink the process, or they want it to be perfect before they think, "Oh no, I can't do this. I can't," you know. Um, but right, just you know, you have nothing to lose really with meditation, right? A lot, a lot of things in life, you know, it, it's it's you make it out to be bigger than it actually is in your head, and.
1: Oh just go try
0: something or do something, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're describing the creative process.
0: <laughs> like
1: the, sure. the The having the vision in your head of what you want it to look like and having that just completely petrify you from even making the first move to get there. Oh, my God. Yes, that happens too, too many times. Yes. Sometimes that Nike slogan – they were quite brilliant. Just do it.
0: For sure. Um, in using one of uh, I'm using an app more recently, um, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sam Harris. Um, he's written a few books, and yeah, so I, I've been using his app a little more recently, the Waking Up app. Mm. And um, th- there's a quote I found um, I, f- I found kind of interesting. From Using the app lately, and it says, "There are two ways to be with other people: you can want something from them or you can truly enjoy their company mm-hmm. um, From your experiences, and I know you, you know you've done a lot of interviews, and you certainly um have had relationships with many people what What do you think about this statement?
1: I think it's so true like What is that similar quote where it's like, if you want to be happy, if you, if you don't want to be happy, then just love yourself and just care about yourself. But if you want to be happy, love others and care about others. I think that's very similar of, yeah, if you go through life, just wanting to take, 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 man, who's going to be there at the end of the day for you when you need somebody, no one. Um, But absolutely, I think you know. As far as if we're talking about the contents of creativity, that is where the best stuff comes from. Like just the just the fact of you know you have no agenda. Sometimes I just meet random people. For example, like I met this woman at a dinner party at a birthday dinner party. No intention of like even making new friends, but I just wanted to be there for my friend who was having celebrating her birthday end up sitting next to somebody who's an, a brilliant animator um, and filmmaker as well. And this has flourished into a really cool friendship where we have a lot of things in common and like, who knows, like, I'm not coming in saying, wow, we should collab on this. We should do this together. But who knows like as organically that, co- that friendship develops and these conversations continue to happen in my experience, that's when the sparks and the magic come of like, just like you and your brother, right? Of like, I've been thinking about this. You do this. Why don't we make a pot? Why don't we work on this together? And it's just, that's where it happens. Um, So yeah, going into every context, even in your work life of I'm not here to take, I'm here to listen. I'm here to receive, but also give back I think that's just the best. The best outcomes happen that way,
0: for sure. Yeah, I've definitely found that in my experiences, and I just kind of like that quote more recently.
1: Yeah, how are you? Um, um, can I ask how are you finding Sam Harris? Because I've just heard about him recently, but
0: oh, okay, yeah, um, I had listened to some interviews with him on other podcasts, and um, he's really he's really deep in his thinking and his philosophies. And he gets really, um, I mean, he's done a ton of meditation practice, all different levels. And, um, you know, like to a point where sometimes in, in the app, the practices, like he gets you to kind of even like detach from like, you know, what is, what is your mind? Like, what is, you know, you're not, like behind your face, you're not your body, like things like this. It gets really deep. Um, I used to, I used to use the Headspace app as well. Um, But I found with the waking up and Sam Harris, he he gets more into certain philosophies and there's more theory behind things.
1: Mm, That's really lovely.
0: So, I mean, yeah, definitely if you're interested, there's a lot of, material on Sam Harris and yeah. waking up.
1: That's and, so great.
0: Um, so just kind of on the same topic, I know you have a lot of history um, with interviews and interviewing people. Um, maybe did that stem kind of, you, I know you did a sports show.
1: I did. <laughs>
0: what, that was that was in San Diego, that wasn't, in, sorry, in San Francisco when you started that or what, what's a bit of history behind your
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, As somebody, I, I think I've been interviewing since I was a kid, you know, I worked for my school, high school newspaper. (laughs) That's kind of where it started. Um, and always loved tinkering with a camera and just like asking questions behind the camera. Right. But, um, that's, I think that's where my love of journalism and storytelling began was as a kid. And I actually thought I wanted to be a journalist after high school then of course life takes you on different like places but yes the the sports travel series was really just putting the two things i loved the most together <laughs> and yeah. having that idea planted in my head for the longest time but again just feeling like where do i even begin like where do i start and this female sports media company started up in San Francisco at the time. They were called The Relish. And we, we happened to meet and it was just kind of the stars aligned. Um, I, I was like, I have this idea, kind of pitched them this idea and they were like, let's do it. And I was like, for real? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, let's do it. Um, I think when it comes to video, a lot of my blockage is that I'm not the best editor. So I have all the concepts and, the, and I can do production and run around with a camera and interview people. But they had the editing power. And so that that just unlocked my freedom of like, I can just do focus on what I'm good at. And somebody can then take it and focus on yeah. what they're good at, which is like, that's the most beautiful collaborations you can find. And you know what? Interviewing is still something I'm getting better at. It's, you know, I've never, was never formally taught. I mean, I had, I said some like foundations and fundamentals that I've learned from others. But it's really in just jumping in and doing the thing that you learn the most. And um, I still get super nervous when I do an interview um, or even do like anything in front of camera that it needs to be quick and pithy. But if I come in with the mindset of, I'm going to have fun, (laughs) I'm going to be curious about who this person is and what they're about and make them feel comfortable because you know, a, most of a population aren't comfortable in front of the camera, especially if it's, it's live or something like that. Um, so that's really your role is to build a rapport uh, where they feel like they can trust you and that they're willing to share their story with you on, on camera, which can be a lot for some people. But it's, I think it's a really interesting – sometimes it's nice to have the camera because it's also like an excuse – to talk to somebody, yep. <laughs> which is cool. I did that when I went to the Women's World Cup in France in 2019. Mm-hmm. Because I had like a little rig and like a nice camera, people are just like, oh, what's she doing? And then when I would come up to be, can I talk to you? They're like, okay, because you seem legitimate. <laughs> so that's right. also the nice part. You get to talk to people you wouldn't normally get to talk to.
0: Sure, sure. Um, yeah, so what, what are uh, – what are some of the best things? I guess you've kind of mentioned them a little bit. What do you enjoy about when you can kind of, uh, interview someone and what, what do you think? Like, I know sometimes there's time restraints. Um, yeah. What, what are some of the best things about interviewing someone? And then h- how do you kind of deal with, you know, okay, we got one minute or we got two <laughs> minutes. Um, what, what are kind of your ide- your ideas on that?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of creatives, creatives can relate. Like sometimes when you have that blank canvas, it's like, what? I don't even know. Should I start in the bottom right corner? Like, you know, you have no point of reference. But when you start adding parameters into your creative process and what you need to capture, I think that's where the, the, the really good, intense pressure comes in. <laughs> And so, yeah, if, like, my goal is, like, I only have 30 minutes till kickoff, um, I want to get at least five interviews in, um, you know, and I'm looking at, if if my primer is, like, I want at least one kid, two women, two men, like, then I'm, like, my blinders are kind of on and I'm running around the stadium, right? So I think there's there's something, it makes it kind of, it gamifies it a little bit. It makes it really fun in that sense. Plus, it also... Um, it also helps you know what quote unquote success is for you at that moment or like when you know you can be done. Of course there are creative projects out there where it's just kind of always going to be open-ended, but it, for me, it's really nice to be like, I'm going to hit this milestone, hit this milestone and then good enough is good enough. I do not need to go (laughs) beyond that. So I think it, it, it just adds to the creativity because you're like, I have a, I'm time bound. I have maybe a few minutes with this person. I need to prepare what my questions are. And usually I have like a gamut of diverse questions, right? Depending on who I happen to run into. Um, but yeah, it it makes, it makes for interesting conversations. Sometimes of course you might hit a dud where they're just like not giving you anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> and you just got to move on. But some people they just like, you know, if, also for them they're like, oh, this is a really quick interview. Let me just blurt out what I want to say. And you can get some interesting bites on camera.
0: Sure, sure. Um I guess one of the reasons I kind of, you know, generally prefer longer format and podcasts and whatnot is, you know, there's more time to kind of um flesh something out or get to but um Right. I was just going to ask, like, is it tricky then just to kind of, you know, if you only have two minutes or, you know, five minutes, is it tricky to kind of make that connection with someone when you only have like a minute or two? Or do you do you find yourself, you know, pretty um, that type of person where you can just, you know, grab a stranger on the street and you feel the instant connection?
1: Yeah, I think. You know what, that's a good point. I think it is, it does take a certain personality type or personality types to be okay with this kind of form, for sure. And I think for me, um, I've always been extroverted in that sense of, you know, I'm the person at the party that likes to hop around and like talk to a, a lot of people or even at school. I was, never, I was never part of like one click. I always just floated around to every, <laughs> every, every group. And so there's something about this that actually fuels me and nourishes me. And, um, though, yeah, I could, I could totally see it being really difficult for some other people. And so when I, because like you were saying, it is hard to establish such a, of course, a genuine authentic deep connection in that moment. I just try to do my best to just show up authentically from the jump and give my full energy into it and and just kind of hope for the best that they'll match my energy or they'll just be like so open to receiving it that they kind of they feel good enough to kind of give back um but yeah i think that that's just the reality of that kind of format is that you're not going to be building this super hardcore connections but then there's that there's the then there's the beauty of social media is like the aftermath of publishing the content Sharing it with them, then that could open up to maybe a long term thing. I remember interviewing women in Mexico City when I went down there for the Raiders Texans game for the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, I still connect with those women on social media today. (laughs) You know, so it's really cool to see how their lives develop and how hardcore fans they are of their American football teams. Um, so yeah, I think there's still opportunity for that, but I think in the moment that is the, where the excitement is um, of the this is quick. What's up? Hi, talk to me. Cool. Bye. <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah. go to the next yeah. person. Yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, so I think for the majority of your interviewing, you've you've always been the one asking the questions. Um, but in someone talking to you, um, you know, whether artistically or personally, um, is there a question that you wish maybe more people asked you? And what would that question be?
1: Oh, my. <laughs> um, that's so in- Maybe, like, I really like the question of, like, what's keeping you up at night? like right now, because mm-hmm. I think that really hones in. Yeah, and just where that person is right now in their life. And mm-hmm. so if I were to ask that to myself right now, um, it would be I'm, I'm pursuing a family ancestry project. because I, I mentioned earlier, how I'm grappling with a lot of questions around my identity and where I come from. And for me, a big part of that is understanding my lineage and my ancestry. And in Japan, that's quite hard to do because um, if you're not directly connected with a family, it's hard to get that family registry information.
0: Sure.
1: And since you know Japan's doors were closed for like 200 years, they weren't really documenting people uh, across the country. And a lot of families didn't have last names unless you were part of a samurai clan. So it gets really complicated, but, um, like finding answers to where I come from is a big one for me and I'm inching, I'm inching closer. Um, yeah, I finally got my family Koseki. So my family registry information in Japan, which is which is great, but then it's unlocking even more questions. (laughs) You know what I mean? So like the investigation of course is going to continue. But being a foreigner as well, I'm just like, how do I navigate this? And, you know, will I ever get these answers before I die? It sounds really stark, but it's true. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's, that's like, what's exciting me and keeping me up at night, but also kind of bringing on a lot of worry and stress
0: Mm -hmm. Um, so just sticking with that for a minute, um, what kind of answers do you think you're searching for? And, um, do you think if you found those, you would be satisfied?
1: Wow. Thanks for asking that question, because I think that that is a question I need to kind of sit down and answer for myself, um. I don't know if this will answer it for me, but for some reason I'm thinking it might. Like kind of the question of like why am I who I am? Is there something in my lineage in my ancestry that informs kind of the character traits I have, the way I feel about my presence on the earth? You know, what hmm like what has been the spirit and the, the purpose of my family through the generations? And does that still live with me? And if so, or if not, like how can I also make sure I'm passing down that story to, you know, whether I have kids or not, or like to just the next generations. Cause I also think that's really important not to lose your family history um, or, or where you come from. And I think growing up, that was just such a big missing piece of the puzzle for me. I just I just really didn't even on my mother's side, the Filipino side, I'm still piecing that stuff together. And for some reason it feels like I can't move forward in my life until I reach back and figure that out. I don't really know what the what it's going to tell me. But I, ho- I hope it's satisfying
0: <laughs> right? in
1: some way, right. I hope, yeah.
0: Um, is it like, feels like something's possibly missing or it feels like something's kind of blocking you in a sense or what, what is that? Both.
1: Yeah, I feel like right. um, there's something completely missing. And I felt that ever since I was a kid. You know, like... Sure. Yeah, like the, the who am I question and I feel like I can only answer that um, when I understand where I've come from and the people that have come before me and the struggles they have gone through and their stories. And I, re- I really hope I can figure that out. But even if it comes, you know, I'm being realistic. Obviously, by the time I pass, probably I probably won't have all the answers. But at least I can form a foundation for the next generation to, to carry the torch after me. Um, so that would, you know, it's so interesting when you think about when you're, when you get older, your legacy, right? Like, what do you want to leave behind? And if I can do that one thing, I think I would die happy.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. So that would maybe come in the form of just understanding what, uh, your relatives had been through or what kind of lives they've lived or, um, what, what's, what's the, What's the kind of image that you have? The
1: paths they've walked. Um, Sure. Yeah, what do they had siblings? I'm sure they all did. There's so many kids running around those days. But um, yeah, like, did we come from farmers? Were we peasants? Like, what did did people have? Also, creative pursuits. You know, I found out on my mother's side that my great grandmother was a dancer, and I had no idea. And I was like. Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) Like, okay, might have skipped a generation, but or a few. Like, but it came back. Um, And yes, so, so yeah. What would that look like to me? I mean, of course, I have all these creative visions in my mind. Of like, once I start gathering these stories, how do I design it in a way that I can articulate it to the rest of my family? Because I'm, it's kind of like me and my dad that there are the only ones like pursuing these investigations. So it's kind of just like almost like a solo project. Of course, I'm trying to reach other people and reach other resources, but I feel like it is weirdly I'm putting this responsibility on myself to create something that can be digested for the rest of my family so they can carry it on, and of course that for me that's going to be some kind of storytelling medium.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, but so that hasn't really been anything um, that they've kind of been like, oh, can you do this? Or, you know, while you're in Japan, can you kind of um, do this? Or you've just kind of um, always had it in yourself to take this on.
1: Yeah, it's been me. Again, like, because this has been such a thing since I was a kid. Now I'm like, oh, I'm finally an adult. I have the resources. I'm actually in the country or in the you know Asia um, where I can pursue this. So it's totally been driven by me. Absolutely. Sure. And my own like need to like figure this out. And, um, you know, I lean on my dad a lot for translation help with the uh, my japanese side of the family of course if i'm pursuing you know the filipino side i've got all the cousins on social media i'm like i have this question i have nice. this question like what do i do and hopefully i can get back to the philippines soon so i can be on the ground but yeah it's this unexplainable need and you know if i have to huh. do it alone i'm going to do it alone
0: sure <laughs> Um, I don't think I asked you, do you have any brothers or sisters then?
1: I do. I am the oldest of four sisters. So I have three younger sisters. Uh, One is my full-blooded sister. So she's only a year younger and she lives in Portland, Oregon. The other two are half sisters. So each of my my parents divorced and remarried and each had another daughter. So the other one is starting her second year of college so I think that makes her 19 or 20. Gosh, I'm forgetting people's birthdays. Um, I'm so sorry, Kaylin. And then Shayla is going to be turning 16 this year. So it's a huge age difference. Um, sure. But no, yeah, they're very, very proud to be their older sister.
0: And do you think they'd be interested in this pursuit or this project of yours? You know...
1: I project it out to the family especially when I get new updates or revelations and of course they're like oh that's interesting cool they're like keep going yay pat on the back Shelly um yeah Yeah. but there's never been this at least from at least till now like hearing like oh I want to jump on this bandwagon like how can I help you uh no not really and as I talk to other people that are mixed cultures or mixed heritage, there are other people out there that are just like, I don't need to know. And it's so, yeah, it's so interesting to me because I'm just, I'm having a totally different experience, but I'm like, okay. So yeah, there's definitely people just, they're they're cool, you know, identifying with their American experience, I would imagine for my sisters, I'm talking about my sisters. and they don't, they don't feel this need to reach farther than that. And okay, that's, that's fine. For some reason, for me, it's different.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, everyone, I guess, is on their own journey. And, um, you know, maybe when they reach a certain age, they might feel a little bit different about that. Or
1: Very true. I think, I think uh, this uh, hmm. feeling has gotten stronger as I've gotten older.
0: Sure. Has I know some people have found success, like there's certain online services that can trace ancestry. Have you tried anything yeah, I've done the, related to uh, like oh, Okay, Yeah, done I've done
1: the DNA, which is cool because it yeah. kind of points you. It kind of just, for me, the DNA test affirmed. Okay, cool. I'm I am this percentage Japanese. I am this percentage Filipino, Guam, Polynesian islands. It's like, it's such a diverse clump, right? The data is not as good yet. Um, But I was just like, okay, cool. Like the the data that I've been told by my parents is correct. Cool. And, but as far as like expecting other family to be on those sites, so we can kind of, because I know people have found family through those websites, That's Mm -hmm. kind of few and far between. Um, And what makes Asia so difficult is the lack of paper documentation or digital documentation. Right. And so, you know, I've heard different stories of people pursuing their ancestry in Japan. And sometimes you just have to go to the local, the local prefecture or the ward, get that granular or even the temple, that your family grew up around and just start asking questions. (laughs) So it's like major detective work, but it's, it's really exciting for me.
0: Well, yeah, definitely. I I don't need to, I don't need to wish you good luck, but um, I know you're going to keep at it on the sounds of it, but yeah. yeah. Um, Good luck with that. And I hope you, I hope you find, you know, what you're looking for. Maybe it's within yourself or, something external
1: yes Um, you're so right yep
0: so yeah just from talking to you and you know the way you described yourself you know as an extrovert and um come across as a confident you know strong person do you do you feel confident about yourself when you think about yourself
1: oh damn (laughs) james you just like threw that question out and mic dropped Uh, (laughs) um wow I don't know if I can just say a straight yes or no um I think the confidence has built a lot over time and as I get to know myself better and start to love myself more I think naturally the confidence has has grown from that But I think a a lot of us deal with imposter syndrome. These these moments where you're just like, "Why me? Can I actually do this?" Uh, I just, honestly, I just had this moment on yesterday with a work project that kind of slammed in short notice that I need to get done by Monday, and I'm just like, "Holy crap!" (laughs) Like yeah can I actually am I the right person for this job? um yeah, so I think it's um it's day by day in general, I think my confidence like I know that it's there sometimes I just um need to tap into
0: it more, sure, yeah, sure, yeah, I just wanted to um yeah serve for the mic drop yeah, you're I, like, I are, just, are
1: you confident? Just,
0: just, <laughs> Connecting it, I wanted to connect it more towards um you know in art or creation and just people putting themselves out there um you know mm. maybe some advice or like how do you think people can gain confidence in the in in their lives just um I know, just mm. from talking to you you know and seeing some of your past work, it seems like you know you have confidence and for people who may feel like they lack confidence or they don't want to put their art out there or their creations. Um, what, what could you say to those people?
1: Yeah. Um, I think the one thing is that you're not alone. Like even if somebody is you, you perceive them as being super confident and, you know, consistently putting work out there, it doesn't always mean that they feel that way all the time. And I think it's actually quite normal to have those moments of where you're not feeling good about what you're producing or you doubt yourself um, or you just feel like you can't get started. And that, that kind of goes back to the, the just do it <laughs> motto. Right. Also, it took me a long time to learn. And I, I look to – do you know Liz Gilbert, the one who wrote Eat, Pray, Love?
0: Uh, a little bit, yeah. I, I haven't read it, but um, yeah, I know of her for sure.
1: Yeah, she she's one of my favorite authors, and I I, I glean a lot of my creative wisdom from her. Um, and, you know, sometimes, I mean, being an artist, being a creative, doesn't always mean you need, other people need to look at your work. It also doesn't mean, and she says this beautiful beautifully, that you don't need to that you need to burden your creativity or your craft with making money. Right. I think a lot of people equate the two that if, first of all, there's a lot of things wrong with like telling people they just need to find their passion and then they'll be happy and just pursue your passion. Yes. Of course you can have passions. You can have creative, creative pursuits. You can have your craft. It doesn't always mean you need to burden it with making money. And I think People need, that's a personal choice, whether or not you want to do that. For me, I, I knew at a young age that I never wanted to dance uh, as a career. I just right. felt the toll on my body. And I was like, I never want to put my body on the line for my survival. And I think that's an important distinction to make for me these days, it's just like fucking create just create. Cause it makes you happy, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then maybe you might be that top one to 2% that gets that deal or makes that money or gets that commission. But the act of creating is, should be what is fueling that joy for you versus the other way around. I found that in the past, I would think of projects within mind, like, how can I get funding for this? You know, I want to make this documentary. And I think I'm going to make it in this way because I think people will, A, like it. And two, I can actually get maybe sponsorship for it. But I found those are the projects that were the ones that, like, I actually did not want to do. So it took me a long time to figure that out. And I would... Look at my other creative friends, and they were so disciplined. I had this writer friend. She would wake up every morning, like 5, 6 a.m., and write. And I was like, how do you do that? And I found out it's because it just brings her joy. And so she found a system to kind of discipline herself to do it every day, but because the end goal, she knew what her purpose was with that. And it wasn't until recently that I found that out for myself, and now I like I'm I'm waking up, you know, or throughout the day, or waking up in my weekends, wanting to edit photos and go out for photo walks because it just makes me happy, and there's nothing more I need from it. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, the creative processes can be icky and and like hard and depressing. But if we just boil it down to the basics of do what you love then in time you can figure all the rest out it'll develop
0: for sure um yeah i like that advice um for anyone listening in and i think what you mentioned as well um people are not confident all the time and You know, maybe there's an image of, you know, this professional artist or, you know, someone who's made a ton of money doing what they're doing and, you know, you probably talk to them too and, you know, they go through, you know, everyone's human, they go through the same things that everyone else does and confidence wanes. But I think the point you made about just keep putting stuff out there, um, don't necessarily doubt yourself, but you're not always going to be 100% confident. But if you can find the joy in it as well, like you mentioned, some of the projects that you thought you could make money on or you thought sponsors would be interested in are some of the ones that actually, um, you know, are not fun to do. And it seems more like work or a job when you're doing it, right?
1: Exactly. And I will also say that again, like doubt is a part of the creative process. I think for me nowadays, when I feel doubt, I know I'm on the right path because it's like doing something that authentically is going to express you is scary. Yeah. And you're going to have doubt like, and so to press on, despite the fear and the doubt, I think that is where the magic happens. And if you might create work that sucks oh well (laughs) like you created something you created something that sucks whatever and then you you're just gonna get better over time you're gonna learn from that whole experience so nothing is a waste of time
0: for sure yeah something I found with um I found with art and artists and some people you know they will tell you oh no I can't paint or you know I can't sing, um, but at the same time, you talk to people who are doing this, you know, for a living, and it's a process, right? Like nobody, nobody starts, you know. Of course, there is some innate talent, maybe, but I think for the majority of people, what gets them to a certain level is the hard work, and you know, you see the end product. But what you don't see is the hours and hours that somebody puts Mm -hmm. into their craft to actually get them to that point, right? Like someone might just think, oh, you know, they're amazing at this since birth. But um, like you you mentioned, um, it's a journey, right?
1: Absolutely. And this is also why I love reading memoirs or listening to the stories of successful artists because a lot of them will also say like, they're not, they're not any different from the other person that's putting in just as much hard work as them, right? There is an element of luck that comes into some people's lives and that's something you can't control. And so to, to kind of bank on that luck happening to you, I think is what can be a burden for a lot of artists and that's why they quit or they resent. And like, how is that person way ahead of me and I'm still here? I think when it comes to being creative and making your own work, it's just, it's also learning to stay in your own lane and not look left and right. That is what kills people. (laughs) When you start comparing yourself to other people, um, that can totally just kind of sabotage the whole thing.
0: I think that's a great point. not even not even necessarily only in art and in you know work you're producing but yeah in your life too when you start to um compare yourself with other people and you know everyone's on their own journey right like i found myself um you know i've been in japan around 11 years and when i was first here you know I was comparing myself, you know, Oh, this person can speak Japanese so well, or like, how did they do this? Or like, you know, oh, I'm falling behind or, you know, but then after a little while, I just realized, you know, everyone's on their own journey. Um, you don't have to compare yourself to what your friend's doing or what someone else is doing on social media. You're not any better or worse than them. You're just doing you know, you're doing what you're doing. Yeah.
1: You're doing you, as we say, sure. the the right. Japanese thing. I feel you on that. I am <laughs> it's really hard not to be like, how is that person speaking so well? And I'm here. And then it just kind of, it totally trumps your learning progress sometimes when really you're, you don't know the language yet. I like adding that word yet. If people have read the uh, Carol Dweck, um, Uh, growth mindset book, or I think it's just called Mindset. These are all skills that you can learn and maybe you don't know it yet. So I like to just change my mindset like that sometimes.
0: Sure. And I think um, from my experience with um, being with people in Japan, when you do look Asian or you do have a Asian background, Uh, There is more of like an expectation, you know, if you're, if you clearly look like a foreigner, and you're talking to Japanese people, for example, or in a Japanese company, workplace, whatever, um, you might get that expectation as a foreigner. But when you do look Asian, and you mentioned, um, working on like a half project, you know, half is kind of a bit of a Japanese term for mixed race Mm -hmm. people. Um, I guess you may have experienced that more than other foreigners, right? Having an ex, if you say, oh yeah, I'm half Japanese, there may be an expectation. Oh, why, why can't you speak Japanese so well? Or why don't you know this custom or norm, right?
1: Absolutely. I think that is the weird line or the, the two territories that a lot of mixed people always have to be kind of walking on um luckily like nobody's ever explicitly said that to my face but (laughs) I do think that that is the assumption you know sometimes I have experiences where people are just start blurting in Japanese to me and I have to like politely tell them I'm you know slow down or like I don't really understand um or you you get yeah you get that I, I would imagine that a lot of people are like why doesn't she know her own mother tongue like, that's weird. Um, but I forgot where I'm going with this. <laughs> but it's, oh, it also works the other way around because I've also been conditioned to think the same thing, you know, of, yeah, why don't I know this language? Like, there's, that's what it's like brought a lot of shame into my atmosphere around me learning Japanese is because. Hey, I have Japanese blood. I'm supposed to know Japanese while this like white American foreigner speaks it fluently. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> so yeah. I have to like detangle that stuff out of unlearn that kind of script as well because it's just not helpful. Um but yeah, but like the 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 multicultural bridges we can make around. Yeah, some people's are experienced just because they have a certain ethnic blood in them doesn't mean they grew up with that culture at all. So it's like having that base and understanding that I feel like helps me be a lot more empathetic with people of mixed cultures. Cause I get it. There, sure. it, it's, it we're all so diverse. We can't just see it as homogeneous boxes, which I think is the Japanese tendency and I'm generalizing, right. but I, I would say.
0: Right, um, you previously mentioned um, a project working with mixed race people um, in Japan. Can you briefly talk about some of your future projects, or maybe some ideas that uh, you have, like in the works, or some maybe uh, like a dream project that you'd like to do, or what 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 are you thinking of?
1: Yeah, so so entering twenty twenty one, I came in with the intention of. Um, working on my portrait photography craft, um, it, it was interesting because I've always been like a videographer and never considered myself a photographer. But then when I did an accounting of my life and like the creative through lines, I've always had a camera by my side and I've always been taking pictures. If I look through the, my archives, I take a lot of portraits of people or take I take a lot of street photography. I take pictures of my family and I'm like, oh, I've been doing this. Let me actually, actually like learn more and get better at it. And so first I came into 2021, like I'm just going to practice portrait photography. I don't really care who the subject is or what the story is. Um, I do want to work with create other creatives, healers and artists to uplift them. And then it kind of morphed more into this subcategory of connecting with my own community in Japan, the hafu community, and showing the diversity and experiences in the Japan, because on the surface level, I think it's really easy to be like, oh, everybody's Japanese, like there's no diversity here. When when there actually, there absolutely is, even amongst Japanese people, like there's so much diversity, so many different stories to tell. And so right now I'm doing a lot of just learning and listening to people And then the next step is actually taking their portraits, which I think a lot of people either never could ever afford to do that for themselves or they've never just been in front of the camera in that way to to showcase the beautifulness of who they are, you know, and I, I want to give people that opportunity Plus, I'm working on. I'm practicing as well. This is like a really cool learning experience for the both of us. So, I I always love to come into any creative project very collaboratively. I think that's that's what um, yields success in my experience. Is like when you are open to hearing other people's input, especially I'm telling their story. Like this isn't my story, right? <laughs> I need I okay. need your feedback. I need you, how you would want to envision. Um, portraying yourself in front of the camera. So that is definitely one long-term one that I hope that I can produce a lot of nice series by the end of the year. So that, that is definitely the focus. And then this family project is also another big one of like how, how much farther can I get into this and start like you were mentioning, like starting to think about like how what would I do with this information? Right. I don't know quite yet, but what would I do with it? So yeah, I'm trying to sure. because I have a full time job, I think this is a, a struggle for a lot of creatives and artists. I mean, you have another job that pays for the bills. It can be quite hard to to make the time. And that's understandable. So I think that is why I'm like, I'm just going to (laughs) focus. Just pick one or two things and just see how it goes versus my usual thing. Again, the Gemini moon, a million different things I want to pursue. Not only in my creative life, but my personal life, you know? So it's like, I just need to focus on these two things and see see what happens. And I'm sure it's going to be cool no matter what.
0: For sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm kind of the same way and certainly have a busy life outside, you know, doing this. And I've got another little project kind of like online, like resale kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, just trying to focus um, on top of everything else going on is uh, something that's kind of kept me on task a little bit. And um, so, yeah. I got to, yeah, this conversation has just kind of flown by. I got to thank you for this. There's a couple final questions that I want to ask. So two questions. And the first one that uh, I ask every guest, um, this is called the Inspirations Podcast. And you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, so... For you, what are, what are three things or who are three people that have really inspired you in your work or in your life?
1: Damn. Yeah. So many. Um, They're always going to be like amazing, inspirational women. So Liz Gilbert is definitely one of them. The author that I mentioned before, I had the awesome opportunity to finally take, um, like a writer, a creative writer's workshop with her in Santa Cruz, California. Her and oh, Cher- wow. and Cheryl Strayed. Cheryl Strade's the one that wrote the book Wild, uh, which also turned into right. a movie. <laughs> um, so they're yeah. just two women. Not the fact that they're artists and just writers, but that they go deep. They they like reach down in their deep, the deepest depths of their gut and like, just bring it out mostly for the sole intention of just getting it out for themselves. And of course, naturally it built a lot of success in their life, but just everything they write or say on a pot. I'm just, I'm always grateful. Um, Another one, gosh, um, there's so many people. Another- or it
0: doesn't have to be a person. It could be something that's really inspired you um, living somewhere, a place, or or could very well be a person.
1: I'm going to throw my cat into this. Yeah. She's changed my life. I, I adopted her almost six years ago um, when I was in a very low place in my life. And, you know, I didn't know you could be soulmates with an animal. It's definitely a soulmate situation. And I, and it's kind of like the, my octopus teacher thing. It's like, I learn so much from her every day, like chill out and nap, um, do what you want you to do. Like go be curious and get yourself into trouble. (laughs) Why not? Um, there's, there's so much I glean from her and then, yeah, all of the spiritual teachers in my life, one in particular, Pema Trojan, who's the Buddhist nun in the Shambhala lineage. God, she's a fierce old lady <laughs> that just tells I'll it like it is. Up. Oh, she, oh! you should even just look at her quotes. If you just look up her quotes, okay. you would be floored. Um, but she's been so helpful in like the emotion management part especially like strong emotions, like anger, um, resentment. She's, she just helped me get through and learn what to do in those situations. And I just, I, I have a book of hers called, um, when everything falls apart and it's like kind of my, like a little Bible for me that I keep in my library that I'm always referring back to because there's just so much amazing wisdom in there. So Yes, it, I mean, it just to whittle it down to three is really hard. But yeah, those the three that come to mind now.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I'm sure if someone asked you this question, you know, next month or Absolutely. next year, it could but for sure. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a tricky one. And the last question for you. So what does it mean um, for you to be inspirational to other people? Uh, maybe they see your work, or you know, your photography, or they see something that you're doing and it inspires them. What does it mean for you to be an inspiration to others?
1: Oh, man, the world. I mean, I think, I hope the way I just move through my life can show others that you don't always have to follow the conventional path, that you can do something, that there's always another choice. Some people get into these binaries of like it's either this or that but never really thinking that no there's usually a third or fourth option (laughs) like don't like um you're gonna be okay but yeah i mean i've always been like the black sheep of my family and just doing what i felt was right for me and if i can inspire others to just listen to their own voices and show that hey, I can do something different, and actually, I didn't die. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um, that hopefully that that would make me so happy if that inspires other people just to do what makes them happy as well.
0: Great, yeah. Uh, I got to thank you once again, Shelley, Um, You know, for coming on the show, sharing your thoughts, your ideas, getting getting deep. Um, <laughs> if the people wanna keep up with you or follow what's going on, how can how can someone follow Shelly Olingus?
1: Sure, I, but I also want to equally just, I'm so grateful for you connecting with me and then just having such thoughtful questions. This was a really great conversation. Um, Thanks. And yes, I want to have more more of these with you and others. Uh, For sure. To, to follow me, I think the easiest would be either Twitter or Instagram, and they're both the same username, Shelly with an E-Y, so S-H-E-L-L-E-Y, and then un- sure. underscore M-A-E, Shelly Mae. So Twitter, Instagram, probably the easiest ways to, to find me.
0: For sure. Okay, yeah, we'll get those links up when we when we get the launch going so yeah thanks once again all the best to you i hope sooner rather than later we can physically meet up
1: same here and
0: and, gosh, yeah it was great great to chat with you today thank you and yeah thanks for that
1: thank you so much james you have a good rest of your weekend
0: that was shelly olingus and this is james mallion with adsr inspirations until next time thanks for listening if you want to hear more insightful and inspirational chats from people based in Japan and all over the world, make sure to follow us at adsrcollective.com. We are on Instagram and Twitter at ADSR Collective. Then listen to the pod on Spotify, Apple, Google, and more. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. Until next time, stay inspired.